So I think that that those thoughts stuck with me. And now I'm starting to let that go and just think my time is worth more than this $10 an hour job like you just mentioned. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Where Should I Invest with Sarah Larby. So are you sticking to your New Year's resolutions? Have you already fallen off? <laughs> Hopefully not. You know, here's the thing with New Year's resolutions is I actually don't really believe in them. Now, some people put them together and, and create some great New Year's resolutions and can stick to them. But really, I look at it as what do I want to change in my life? And it could be in June. It could be in November. And I, I really don't want it to be a New Year's resolution because I find that when it's, it is, then it's like, okay, you got to stick to it and then you might fall off the boat and then all of a sudden you start again next year. But I, I look at it more as, you know, what changes or what, you know, things do I want to accomplish during the year? And it doesn't have to start on the first. So I find that for me anyways, like when I started working out, really actually working out, it was in April of about a year and a half ago. And I just stuck to it. And, and then it became more of a routine. I guess they, they say it takes 21 days, right? To, to make things a part of your life. So it's, uh, it is interesting though to see all of the people that are going to the gym in January and then all of a sudden March happens and half those people are gone. So I would say if you're going to have resolutions, just make them when you want to make them and stick to them and maybe just do like one resolution every two or three months and start it there rather than than coming up in January or waiting until January and then stopping. So I don't know. What's your New Year's resolution? Let me know what it is or what your annual resolution is in terms of something that you want to change or something that you want to get better at or something that you want to do. And maybe it's like you want to buy, maybe it's a goal instead of a resolution. Maybe it's you just want to buy two more properties or you want to buy 10 or you want to start with your first one or whatever that is. I think for me... I like to do goals much more than resolutions. So what's my resolution really? Ultimately, I don't have a resolution, I have goals. And like, I, I really just wanna ultimately be happy and who knows what it's going to bring. There's always ups and downs throughout the year, but ultimately you gotta, I try as much as possible to look at the positive from every single situation, even though there's some crappy situations and there will probably be always crappy situations. And how do you pick yourself up from that and, and keep going? And so that's, that's what I try to live with as much as I can. Sometimes it's hard, but I, uh, I probably won't have any new year's resolutions this, uh, this year as the time of recording, it is December. So, but I have a bunch of goals that I really want to achieve. So they don't all come around real estate. There's a lot of other personal goals or travel goals or that kind of stuff. So one of them actually is uh, I do want to do like a guided tour in Costa Rica. So if you guys have been to Costa Rica and you know of uh, some great places or a good company that does like more like luxurious type of guided tours, let me know. That would be awesome. So let me know what, uh, what you've accomplished even for 2019. If, are you happy with your accomplishments? Do you want to share them on the podcast? That'd be pretty cool. Anyways, 
let me know if you do. So on that note, George Almasri is my guest for today. And he actually has a podcast of his own too. He is a realtor, an investor, good friend, and uh, has just uh, really been doing some great things and super helpful to other newer investors. He always is looking out and helping and uh, just like an overall like really awesome guy. So super excited to have him on my show. And guys, if you enjoy this podcast, if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating and a review and uh, even just send me a message on Instagram at investor Sarah Larby and let me know if there is something I can do to help. Bye guys. George, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks. How are you? Good. I'm uh, super excited to have you on. And uh, you've had me on two separate podcasts of yours. I think one was like a, more of a show. One was a podcast. You've been on the Right Club podcast. And mm-hmm. now you are on Where Should I Invest? Super excited to have you and welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So actually, you were my first ever guest, which was uh, kind of like an interview that I recorded and put on YouTube. I've got the most views on that one out of any anything I put out there. So thank you for, uh, for being on it and launching the, the Well Off podcast for me. That's awesome. Now, if somebody wanted to listen to Well Off, I know we, usually I end with this, but w- while we're talking about it, where can they go? Welloffpodcast.ca, or you can just check it out on iTunes. It's available pretty much anywhere that, where you can listen to podcasts. Very cool. Awesome. So, George, I know you, but uh, maybe some listeners don't. And uh, can you just let us know who you are and what you do? Sure. Yeah. I am a realtor. I just recently made a, a switch actually to Keller Williams Signature. So I'm, I'm working with a new company now. I work with investors, I work with homeowners, and I think really I, I find joy in helping people get started in, in investing for the most part. And yeah, so that's kind of what I do. I'm an investor myself. I own a couple properties in Hamilton and uh, looking forward to, to buying more. Very cool. I actually didn't know that you switched over to uh, KW. That's probably recent. Yeah. So this was like less than a week ago. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So, so I always say, you know, definitely work with investor, a realtor that's an investor friendly realtor, ideally also an investor themselves. Why do you think that's important? There's obvious reasons, but I think for the most part, I would say a huge advantage would be creativity. So I think like there, there are always solutions to things that maybe some people don't understand if you're just a typical realtor. For example, I had a situation once, uh, this was for, it wasn't for an investor, it was a typical homeowner, but they wanted to purchase a property, but conditional on the sale of their home. And that's something that doesn't really happen anymore today. But we found a way to make that work, which uh, we had to get kind of creative. And we said like, okay, for the first month, you're not allowed to sell it to anyone else. But after that period of time, which gives her time to sell her property, after that time, you can accept other offers. So it it was kind of like a compromise that made it work. That's a kind of creativity I'm I'm sort of talking about. Very cool. Now, I want to also talk about, so you're an investor and you're active and you're buying property. When did you get started investing and what is your strategy? Yeah, I started in 2017, bought my first place in September. It was kind of a fluke because I didn't know anything about Hamilton at the time. It was just in my price range and I had a lot of troubles with that home, but things worked out in the end. And I had just learned about the burst strategy at that time. Like I was brand new to the whole idea of refinancing and recycling your capital. So I, I did it on that property and uh, I did it again on the second property. And uh, I think that's probably the most useful strategy today 
given given the atmosphere and and the mortgage rules and everything that that's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Now, so you're a realtor as like your full time job, and then you do investing. You know, there's probably a lot of people thinking out there. Okay, you know, I'm a realtor too, and maybe I'd like to get into real estate from a financial standpoint. Like, is there anything that you had to prepare or any specific? I mean, I know you're not a mortgage broker at all, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying that you know your advice is the be all and end all. But in your opinion, was it a little bit harder because you were self-employed? Oh yeah, definitely. It was really hard. And I had to jump through a lot of hoops to actually get the mortgage. And actually the the mortgage broker that I worked with. So again, this was my first deal for myself. He had told me that I was good to go with 10% down. So I was actually going to live in the property, by the way. And because I ran to so many issues and stuff, I, I had to change my mind later. Yeah, he tells me 10% down, you're good. I waive conditions. Then he goes, oh, wait, sorry, you got to go 20%. So come up with an extra 10. And uh, you got to do this, this and that. There were a bunch of conditions. So I just realized how important it was to have like a trustworthy mortgage broker and, and do things right. Yeah, absolutely. So curious, how did you come up with the extra 10%? had to just kind of like find a way to to make it work right again just had to get creative and yeah it's it wasn't easy but it it worked out in the end yeah absolutely do you ever look at i mean as you're you're scaling and i don't know if you this is something that has crossed your mind at this point but just even for for me i think that cash is the easiest thing to find and i know this sounds insane but it's a lot easier to find than, than mortgage holders, as an example. But, you know, there's a lot of people with RSPs mm-hmm. and they have it in like mutual funds not making a whole lot. What's your take about using RSP funds to fund some of the, the deals as a second mortgage? As in like as an investor using your RSPs to, to fund? Not your own, you can't, but just somebody else's. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like if, yeah, we're talking about an investor who's looking to loan out their RSPs to someone else, correct? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a really good option for people to earn. You can earn a pretty decent interest on that. And uh, it's fairly safe considering that it's backed by the house itself. So I think as, as an investor, if you, you're earning one, two or 3% in a bank account somewhere, you're way better off loaning out your money. And, and tons of people that I know and that you know have done that before. Active investors that have extra cash laying around. I've heard that of tons of people who are actually loaning it out as a mortgage. Yeah, I actually just, I moved mine over to community trust. I know there's Olympia Trust and there's community trust. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to be loaning it out at like 10% for some people and then more for others, depending yeah. on what the deal is. But there's definitely some some good opportunities. Like for me, the RSP piece was, it wasn't because I originally loved the idea of an RSP, but my company matched it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, it's free money for every dollar I put in up to a certain percentage. It was matched like a dollar or dollar twenty five or something. I'm like, I'm gonna yeah. take it. But now I have this money, and I'm like, I really like to invest in real estate. Personally, this is just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. What do I do with my RSP? And it was just kind of, you know, not really getting the same type of um, ROI that obviously real estate was getting for me. So I'm yeah. like, I'm just gonna loan it out. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. What what are what's your criteria for for loaning out your your RSPs? And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to a key member of my power team. Dylan Suter is my realtor who's been working very hard to find me amazing deals. And Dylan, I'm a big proponent in working with realtors that are investors. And Dylan is truly an investor. Welcome Dylan. And thank you so much for being a sponsor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Well, I want to first thank you for having us as a sponsor. We're really grateful to be working with you and all of the support you've given us over the past couple of years. So thank you so much for that. And our focus as Elevation Realty is to focus our attention primarily on real estate investors that are looking to replace their active income with a passive income and go enjoy what they like most, such as time with the family or up at the cottage, whatever it may be. So what we do is we focus our attention on creating a plan specific for each client, whether that is something they want to have five properties in five years and be able to sit on them for 10 years and then sell them and retire on the the equity. Or if they're looking to scale their portfolio and retire in the next 12 months, we can look at doing that as well through joint ventures or Airbnb short-term rentals. We can talk through buildings, buy, renovate, refinance, single family purchases, and the list goes on. That's awesome. Now, Dylan, if people wanted to reach out and get help from you, where can they go? They can check us out online at www.elevationrealty.ca, E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca, or they can email us at info at elevationrealty.ca, Give us a call or text at 905-592-4220 or check us out at The Right Club or other meetup groups that we're usually at as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dylan. It is awesome working with you as always. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. Well, I mean, at this point in time, I think it's just based on people that I know and that I trust and like Mm -hmm. properties that I or areas that I'm aware of. At this point, I was actually talking to somebody yesterday and it's going to be in Brantford. So I'm pretty well-versed in the area. Mm -hmm. Criteria wise, I don't know, to be honest, like it's, I care about the money, but I would much, I care more about my real estate assets than my RSP. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So as long as it's someone that you trust and that you know, you're, you're pretty comfortable doing a deal and getting a 10% return. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things, cause I, I did want to talk to you about, you know, like the financing piece, but like, have you come across any, any other challenge challenges in acquiring properties or even just doing the, the renovation on the burrs? Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's been a little bit slower than I would like in a perfect world. I would have taken on a bunch of projects and just use other people's money and done that. But I think at this stage, and I think a lot of people are kind of here with me, it's it's doing that first joint venture. And I know that once I get past that first one, the opportunities will open up because I know I have the knowledge and the ability to find good deals because I can evaluate properties. So that piece is there. It's just finding finding that money and putting the pieces together. That's been a bit of a challenge. What kind of JV partner are you looking for? Ideally, somebody who doesn't want to get involved too much in the process. And uh, I know that from, from my point of view, I've got to put deals together and I've been working on that and having everything set up and, and having a plan in, in place so that I can actually attract somebody rather than just talking about something random, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's uh, so like, because we have podcasts and you probably get, you know, emails as well. I'm, I have to be like, I prefer to just be really picky with people that I JV with because well, at this point in time, it's more of an option. It's not a mandatory thing for me to keep scaling because I still have financing ability and money. But when people approach me, like it really would have to be the right person because you're stuck with them for like five to seven years and they're stuck with you for five to seven years. And so Mm -hmm. it's just really important that you like talk through the exit strategies and all of the, you know, how and who's going to do what. And maybe this is the wrong thing, but I would rather have a JV partner and this is totally wrong. And everyone's going to be like, why would you do that? but I would like to like kind of show them the ropes along the way. <laughs> right. So for you to be actually showing your partner how you would do things. Yeah. Like do it. Like I would 
kind of mentor them throughout right, the process. <laughs> to me, that sounds, I know it's like maybe more time consuming, but it's like way more fun. <laughs> True. Then, well, actually that, that makes sense. Cause you're kind of leveraging by doing that. You're kind of delegating the tasks to that person. If you trust them, which, yeah. which you're, which you're really good at, by the way, like, I don't know if it comes naturally to you, but you're really good at delegating tasks from what I've seen. That is like, <laughs> that is like my main thing. I'm a master delegator yeah. and I should, I don't know if I should be proud of that or not, but like, I will delegate everything that I possibly can unless it's something that I can't delegate. So like, right. you know, like why, I don't know, like, do you have things that you delegate and, and chores that you don't like to do that you delegate? Cause you probably, you know, you probably do. I mean, when you think about it, mm-hmm. like we don't have to be working the $10 hour, $20 hour, $30 yeah. hour jobs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you, but I think a lot of people have trouble delegating, including myself. And I try to realize why that's the case. And I, I think it's probably because of the way that I grew up. And my father was someone who always said like, Hey, do it yourself. Why would you pay somebody else? And it, it was coming from a good place. Like he's trying to help me. So I think that that those thoughts stuck with me. And now I'm starting to let that go and just think my time is worth more than this $10 an hour job. Like you just mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and sometimes that's the thing, right? And I have some students that will say, well, you know, I've got a property and every time something happens, I'm going, I'm like, why? Because they're like, we're saving money. I'm like, no, you're not. (laughs) Because if you take that time and you do something productive with it, I mean, if you're going to take that time and you're just going to sit there and not do anything productive Mm -hmm. in in return, then you might as well go do it. But if you're actually going to say, okay, I've got two hours that I've now saved because I didn't have to go to this property and I don't know, fix whatever small things that I hand you yeah. for super cheap, take that time and like listen to podcasts or go to networking events or mm. analyze some deals or send offers in or something along yeah. those lines. I think you'll just be further ahead if you're working on the business rather than in the business. Yeah, exactly. And some people, for some people that might be like, go to your kid's soccer game or, you know, spend time with your family, something like that. And that could be much more valuable than yeah. fixing a toilet, right? That's a great point too. Like it doesn't even have to be real estate related. It could just be, like you said, perfect example, spend time with your kids, spend time with your family. Yeah, exactly. And one thing that I'm I'm noticing is it's really important to build systems so that you can delegate your tasks. Because for example, we, you talked about your podcast editing and we were talking about that a bit earlier. If you just sent out or reached out to someone and said, Hey, I need you to edit my podcast. They'd be like, Oh, well, I, what do you want me to do? I, I don't understand. But if you have a system in place and it's all broken down into the steps that you've taken, then that makes it so much easier to delegate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I used to only be able to put out like a podcast a month. <laughs> it was like yeah. every podcast I did, there'd be like five or six hours around it just to like get yeah. it ready and edit. And I'm just like, I, you know, I'll still book my own cause I still want to pick and choose who comes on the show mm-hmm. and make sure that like they're, you know, the right fit. Cause sometimes you'll get like emails from people and it's like something random in the U S that like doesn't even apply here. I'm like, sorry, like it just, <laughs> yeah. it just doesn't work. Yeah, but exactly. I mean, other than that, I don't need to be editing <laughs> for like five hours. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, okay. So cool. So what's the next, what's the next step for you? Like, where do you want to be in, in five years? What's the next acquisitions when it comes to investing in real estate? Mm. Yeah, I set some goals uh, maybe two weeks ago. I spent like a good half a day just kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. And uh, I decided that I'm going to go into, I'm going to aim for five properties next year to acquire five properties. And one of them will be with my personal funds because I do kind of want to have my own deals with Mm -hmm. my own money. And then I'd like to get four with joint venture partners. Um, So that's the goal for 2020 along with other things that are kind of like, you know, 
real estate sales related or family or whatever other goals. So uh, that's the, that's the main one for 2020. Okay. So that, that's interesting. So are you looking for like single families, multifamilies? Yeah. Else? I, I think I've had like success with single families right now and I don't want to get into a totally different strategy of like conversions or whatever. I think I'm just going to stick with what I've done and had success with. And later on, if I choose to do something else, then I'll go for it. But yeah, single family burr. Okay. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, when you burr, do you like, what do you look for? Cause I, I have a specific like type of property that I like to get, yeah. AKA ones that don't require a whole lot of permit pulling, but what do you look for? Yeah, similar. So uh, the second property I bought was a a one bedroom detached bungalow and it was like literally less than 500 square feet. And and the reason I bought it is because I actually lived in it. But now I realize that that's a mistake. I shouldn't be buying one bedroom homes. Uh, Moving forward, it's going to be at least three bedrooms, two story, two plus stories and probably all brick. I don't really like the vinyl siding homes. So that's kind of the, what I'm focusing on. And that helps to really narrow down the criteria so I can target specifically what I want. Now, do you have a specific area too? Yeah, right now I'm interested. Hamilton's a little bit pricey for a single family. Like it's kind of hard to make that work, but I'm thinking I'm looking at a few in Welland and St. Catharines. Those are two interesting places. Yes, they are. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm I'm there like almost every like other weekend too. Just yeah. uh, looking at some properties with uh, with a couple people there, and uh, I mean Hamilton too, and Brantford too, and Simcoe. Mm-hmm. Like I actually like Simcoe too, and Peterborough. But any other areas other than St. Catharines and Welland that you like? I'm trying to to just stay focused because I, I don't want to be like I don't want to own properties here and then have one in Barrie and have yeah. one in in Oshawa, right? Like I, I'd rather just stay focused in an area so it's easier for the future. Yeah, one team. <laughs> you yeah, don't exactly. need to find a different plumber for every single town. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So I think you've got a girlfriend, right? You've yes. got a fiance. Uh, okay. So question, <laughs> are you guys both into real estate? Yeah, she's actually also a realtor. Okay. Good. Yeah, so she's kind of, yeah, th- that's the interesting thing. Like we're, we're starting to open up to the idea of both of us being more involved in investing because I don't think that was her mindset before. So uh, we, we've actually both rented out our homes and collectively we're renting ourselves as tenants. So we're, we found a spot, we're in Mississauga, which is a little bit pricier to purchase. And instead of putting all of our capital into our primary residence, we decided let's just rent. We'll be able to, to save our money and, and invest it into other areas where it's more affordable and, and the numbers make more sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a huge believer of that. Like if, if somebody wants to live in Toronto or Vancouver, yeah. by all means, like go ahead, rent. Hopefully, <laughs> I mean, rents there are really crazy right now, regardless, yeah, yeah. but you know, if you rent and you stay somewhere and you, you know, you stay there for a long time at some point, you'll be below market rents, but you know, invest where you, where it makes sense and then just live where you want. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people have a hard time understanding that, including my, my now fiance, actually, she kept telling me like, I own a place. Why would I go to rent somewhere? I've, I'm telling all my clients that they should buy this and that, but it's, it's not the same thing. If you're renting, you're freeing up your capital for cash flow positive investments, whereas your primary residence is sucking money out of your account, right? It's the, it's the rich dad, poor dad main principle, basically. Yeah. Unless you're house hacking though. <laughs> right. Yeah. That that's true. I would say there are some exceptions, but um, yeah. yeah, house hacking being one of them. <laughs> that's true. Good point. Very cool. So, okay. So that's good. I always like to, you know, sometimes I like to ask just to see like, are people on the same page or people on the same page? Cause I get asked a lot of questions like, how do I get my, my wife or my husband or my boyfriend or my girlfriend mm-hmm. into real estate? You know, do you have any advice for them? 
I would say like, for example, with, with me and Mandy, she's not really into numbers and she's not really interested in the whole becoming an owner of 25 properties or whatever. So if there's one person that can take that on and maybe another person is able to generate the income and possibly qualify for the mortgages and doing all that, then it kind of becomes like a joint venture. So if you're able to to work out something where both people are happy, then I think your relationship will be good and your your outcome will probably be better as an investor as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. You know, for, for us, for when we first started, it was just like understanding what Matt's fears were. And his fears were actually just, it had nothing to do with financial so much as it had to do with the tenants. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the tenant potential nightmares or them trashing the place or having to take them to the landlord tenant board, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And so those were his fears. I'm like, okay, so his sister needed a place to live. And so we ended up starting with her. And in our second house, I won't, I won't say how that ended, but <laughs> the, the second house, I ended up finding tenants on KGG and we talked for like three months and then we found them first and then we found a house mm-hmm. and then he slowly got used to it over time. And that actually was how he became okay with it. I wouldn't say he loves real estate, yeah. but he's okay with it now. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure at this point he realizes that, hey, you had a vision and you knew what you wanted and that vision has become a reality. So it's worthwhile. Everything you've put up with is, is worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. So somebody that wants to get started, do you have any specific advice for them? Like somebody that's just yeah. starting out first purchase potentially? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get out of the idea that you need to buy where you live and uh, buy in expensive markets. Cause a lot of people think I'll never be able to afford anything. I, I live in, I live in Oakville or wherever Burlington, Mississauga. I can't afford anything here. You've got to stop listening to what people are saying and think outside the box. If you can get something in an affordable area for 250, 300,000, or maybe even less and get started that way, it'll really open up a lot of doors for you. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So George, it's always a pleasure having you, but this next part of the podcast is our lightning round. So I'm going to ask you to give me the first answer that comes to mind. And there's five questions and all the guests get the same question. Are you ready? And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick moment and pause the podcast interview here because I wanted to introduce you to Dahlia Barsoom of Streetwise Mortgages. I am a big believer, as you guys probably have heard, work with a mortgage broker. They are going to help you scale. And when I was first growing in real estate investing and looking to buy my second property and my third property, I was going directly to the bank then. I hadn't met Dahlia yet. And I actually was hitting a roadblock when it came to financing because the bank started asking me for 25% as the down payment. And then for my third property, they wanted 35%. And it was really, really hard for me to A, understand why it was creeping up like that. And B, I didn't have 35% to put down. I had 20%. And luckily, I actually met Dahlia at that point in time. And Dahlia is actually an investor herself, and she works with many, many investors. And she knows all the pitfalls and the barriers that normally come up with dealing directly with a bank and all the different lenders. And Dahlia was actually able to not just find me proper alternatives, but I've got nine properties now, and I'm still able to get financing with A lenders, and it allows me to be able to scale up without hitting the financing wall. And so she's been a tremendous help. So the other thing I really, really enjoy is Dahlia also does a free goals analysis. So if you go to either my website or 
her website, streetwisemortgages.com. Mention the podcast and ask for the free goals analysis. It was a game changer for me. And it allowed me to actually understand what I needed to do, how many properties I was going to get because of the cash flow that I was looking for. If you guys wanted to reach out to Dahlia, you can reach out to her by email, which is info at streetwisemortgages.com, or you can actually reach out to her on the website at streetwisemortgages.com, and then just go to the contact section. And you can also call her at 1-800-208-6255. Thanks for listening and back to the show. And now back to the show. I'm ready. Okay. Question number one, George, what is your favorite real estate investing book ever? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Awesome. You know, I should actually do a poll. I, I think probably nine out of 10 people will say Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. If I go down and like look from like podcast episode number one. So if you're listening and you have not read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, <laughs> go read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Because clearly yeah. it's like 90% people's number one. Yeah. And don't just read it once. Like I think I've read it maybe four or five times in the last two years or something. So definitely read it more than once. Awesome. George, what is your favorite podcast? I like, I like Oprah's super soul conversations. I know it's a little bit different, but I think it just kind of, it makes you feel good because it's always kind of like, um, it's people that who are enlightened in some way. So I think that these people have a better understanding of life than most. And I think Oprah is that way as well. So I would say that's probably one of my favorites or my favorite. I didn't know she had a podcast. Yeah, she's got, I think she's got more than one. Nice. Awesome. Okay. Question number three, what is your favorite pastime? So what do you do for fun when you're not doing anything real estate related? My favorite thing ever is basketball. I love playing. Yeah. I, every morning I, I just like go to the gym and I, I work on, on my game for no reason. Like I'm not a professional or anything like that, but I just love playing. And, and ever since I was a kid, I always, well, when I was a kid, I dreamt of playing at a high level. I don't think that's going to happen at this point, but it's fun <laughs> to like, you know, when I'm playing pickup basketball or something, I can shoot pretty well. I can, I can beat most average players. So it feels pretty good. Very cool. Awesome. Question number four, if you lost all of your money and your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? Probably with looking for partners because I've got the knowledge. So yeah, if I lost everything, I think it would be pretty easy to to get started and, and make something happen for me and, and the person that I'm working with. Okay, very cool. And last question, if somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, how would you recommend they spend it? Obviously, get yourself some real estate and try to m- turn that fifty thousand into a hundred thousand by applying the burst strategy, and then just keep recycling. And it, which, I, which is, I'm guessing, what most of your guests say, right? No, not necessarily. You know, we have uh, we have a lot of different responses when it comes to that. Mm, yeah, a lot of people are into options trading now, which I think I don't. I, I'm not. I haven't really tried that. I don't know. Have you ever done any options trading? No, you know what? It's um. So I have a Questrade account when it comes to like you know my own stocks and stuff like that. But like yeah. I just I don't have the time. I'm not I'm not experienced, and to be honest, like learning it, <laughs> it's gonna yeah. take time. So I'd rather just personally for me, I just stick to real estate as much as mm-hmm. possible, and then whatever stocks I decide I want to buy here and there on Questrade. Right. Right. Cool. But yeah, it's interesting. Okay, so George, where can our listeners find you if they wanted to reach out and know more? Welloff.ca, 
that's my website, or you can email me, george at welloff.ca. Very cool. And George, any final last words of advice? Yeah, I just hope that people don't just listen and they actually take action because that's the biggest thing. It's, it's fear that holds most people back, just like Matt, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it, pushing through that fear will really change your life. So that's it. Awesome. Thanks mm-hmm. for being on Worship Invest, George. It was a pleasure having you. And George, you're also a regular at the Right Club, yep. one of the clubs that I'm a co-host with. So if you guys want to meet George in person, come out to the club in Burlington. Otherwise, reach out to George. And I think you're on Instagram as well. Yep. Uh, well off X. Well off X? Yep. Perfect. Okay. Mm-hmm. On that cool. note, George, thank you for being on the show. Thank you very much. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons. And at the time, they all seemed very valid. But as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away. And eventually, only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.